Welcome to another episode of In Mediasness, where two pop culture nerds try to make sense of the messy world of mass media. I'm Alanis. And I'm Clea. And we're glad to have you along. So we're taking this episode to unearth our embarrassing teenage obsession with all things New York City. I feel like we should be like laying down on the couch for this one. (laughs) Yeah, or maybe just like drinking something. (laughs) Something stronger than water. Yep. Yeah. So basically, we were like really really obsessed with New York as high school students. Alanis, why was that so for you? No, wait. You know what's really funny is like this New York obsession is like a tenant of our friendship. (laughs) It really is though. (laughs) I feel like that's basically one of the first things that really like bonded us together in high school. Mm. I feel like we were friends before that, but like the whole New York City thing sort of just like solidified how close we were. And plus we got into it around the same time and also got over it around the same time. Mm-hmm. Not a surprise since we spent our university life together. But yes, to answer your first question, I honestly am not sure. I think it was a mix of the things that I loved as a kid, right? like the teen shows plus the New York Fashion Weeks because I was on Tumblr all the time, the music especially, and like the impression of art in New York. So I definitely think it was all of those at once. Plus like a lot of films, even the ones that I didn't necessarily love, but did watch. It was all centered around New York, you know? Mm, Yeah, yeah. New York really is sort of like the default setting of so many like American media. Exactly. For me, I developed a really strong interest in theater right. somewhere around when I was about 13, maybe. Mm-hmm. That basically just like spurred the whole like love affair with New York because of Broadway. So a lot of my general interest in New York came from how much was there culturally that I was trying to kind of look for here. It was a vibrant theater scene. It was like museums and it was just like so many interesting things that I liked. And I think part of it was just like me wanting to kind of like experience being somewhere that had all of it. Right. Yeah. But I think part of that is the way that it was really positioned in media that we were watching because it isn't obviously the pinnacle of good art or good music or like culture in general, but Because it was positioned that way, that was our impression of it, that it was this pinnacle of culture and it was the city to beat all cities. Not to mention like the Wall Street aspect of it all. That was also something that interested me in particular, that like a very like vibrant and dynamic cultural place could also have this like very serious, very businessy education, history type you know, side to it. Right. I don't know. I feel like I was also at a stage in my life where I was just looking for like something interesting (laughs) and something fun. And like, I felt like New York had a lot of that. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. For me, a lot of it 
also is the aesthetic and the romanticization of the life in it. I think also just being very, very middle class, like, so it genuinely was a mix of all of that. Right, yeah. And again, the impression for media, and I also think that this obsession-ish happened when, you know, the idea of being a creative or the idealization of the Alexa Chung lifestyle, kumbaga, like the Sofia Coppola vibe of it all, ganyan. So that was kind of what was planted in my brain around this time. So even just like being in NYU and the Tisch School of the Arts, that was very much... Uh, we had and we both had NYU dreams also. Yes, we did. The whole thing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was that. Listen, to anyone, to everyone listening, please understand that we are also cringing really badly as we talk about all of this. <laughs> this really shows how absolutely like bougie we've lived our lives. Oh. You know, we've learned and we've grown, but like as teenagers, we were absolutely obsessed with just like wanting to like be in New York City. No, but you're right. It's so cringy because it's so bougie, you know? And I think it's such a middle class thing for sure. And considering where we were as teenagers, like we were in a Catholic private all girls school, mm. you know, that's pretty much us of privilege in this country if there ever was one <laughs> and yeah we've talked about this in probably every episode by now but our media was always very western centric especially in the time that we were growing up as teenagers and that was across everything like the YA books the TV the movies emerging social media and yeah so ayun burgis lang siya talaga and that reflected in the things we wanted or thought we wanted perhaps Right. Remember, that was what was considered cool, and we were just becoming aware of that. I don't know, it's part of the teenage experience also of wanting the nicer things, you know, um, to fit in. And our society equates nicer things with Western things, so I don't know. I definitely think that plays a part, too. I agree. Obviously, I think that growing up in the sort of like status, socioeconomic standing that we had, it was like, this was a pretty common, like I wouldn't say we were particularly special, like this idea of, you know, like going out and seeing like the, like the big cities of the Western world or whatever. This was a pretty common like theme for a lot of teenagers, um, you know, in upper to middle class um, families because as much as we can blame it on like us individually consuming like Western media, whatever, I feel like this was also sort of a societal thing that, oh, yeah. um, you know, we are like we as society, like as a Filipino society, have always been like extremely influenced by sort of the Western lifestyle. And so I think that, you know, for us, especially during this time, um, I feel like our vision of like what we wanted our lives to be were also just like very deeply rooted in like Western sensibilities. Yes, exactly. It's definitely a societal thing. As again, Burgess kids, we were reflecting a lot of the values that the generation before us had. And again, a lot of that was very Western looking. It was very Western aspiring. Or, you know, let's just say it, that was neo-colonial. So, <laughs> you know, it's inherited. Like, my mom was the one who got me into Friends and Gossip Girl. And like, that's literally two shows about New York City. Right, yeah. Young adult stories of like, Friends and 
parang friends and like social groups, like having fun and doing things, like all of those like sitcom type media. So many of those are based in New York City. Right. That's definitely a critique of like Western media in general that like, you know, we're not the only ones to think this. Like the media industry and like the film and television industry really do sort of idealize New York as sort of the center of the world. And when you're an impressionable, when you're an impressionable child in Southeast Asia watching like all of the Western content, you have the tendency to think that, hey, New York City is the center. Oh yeah, this isn't like a new critique whatsoever. But yeah, I think personally for the two of us, it's just something that we both remember because we went through it together and like laugh about and it's definitely one of the things we're glad we outgrew. And just just in case there are like any New Yorkers listening or just like seething at this concept of like two privileged bitches from the Philippines like dunking on their city. You have to understand, we actually still both really appreciate like New York and all, everything it sort of, you know, stood for for the time that we were kind of obsessed with it. Like we've both been to New York, right? Yeah, I went to New York both in the middle of this idealized <laughs> right phase of my life and afterwards. And, you know, it's both. I enjoyed it both times. Yeah, I went smack in the middle. Right. Like the one time I went to New York, I was there for a month and it was just smack in the middle of this weird obsession that I had. Which sort of, I think, was good because it gave me, it sort of like, I wouldn't say fueled because it didn't. It sort of fed that um, idea of like how much I love the city and how much I could enjoy it because I really, really did. Like, I still count that as like the best month of my life. But also, it was a nice little sort of wake up call to just like what exactly it was. You know, like with anywhere you go to, it's not always the idealized, picture perfect, like film sets and everything. So, yeah. Yeah, I get that. I think for me, it was also growing up and understanding a lot of the systemic ills of the world because my grandma lived in Brooklyn for the better part of my life. Right, yeah. My mom lived there and stayed with her for a bit also. And obviously they have a lot of stories. And I think as a kid that definitely contributed to my idealization of the city and Hmm. maybe even of America. But as I grew older, I think it also contributed to me growing out of that idealization because I started to understand, again, the systemic ills that were underlying in these stories. Like, I understood the meaning. Right, yeah. Like, my mom was not living out the real-life version of Friends. She was trying to survive in a brutal city. Exactly. In many ways, I feel like my personal experience with New York has sort of shaped how I see it um, a lot Mm -hmm. better than, like, the media that I consumed. Again, like, we talk about New York being this, like, cultural sort of city and, like, all of the fun stuff that you can do, and I experienced a lot of that. But I think what sort of helped give me a lot of perspective on the city itself was that I did, like, you know, there were the scary parts and there were the not-so-glamorous parts and there was just, you know, it was just very real and very authentic like I got to experience the city as it was versus like see it through a screen or like through stories and so you know after that trip of mine I feel like that was sort of like it's spelled the beginning of the end 
in the sense that like you know it wasn't like I fell out of love with New York City entirely because I still do think it's a great place but it sort of gave me enough perspective to realize that like okay you know it's not the idealized version you have in your head I'm trying to think um how old were you when you went to the Oxford thing I was 17 oh Okay, I was a lot younger when I first went to New York. Yeah. Um, I think I was around grade six. When <laughs> you were like twelve, grade six. Yeah. So like, oh my god, I was twelve. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's so young. That's like Colin's age right now. Wild. <laughs> um. <laughs> anyway, um, I think uh for me, what spelled the beginning of the end was applying for college Mm, okay so like we said we both wanted to go to nyu i remember having conversations with you in high school talking about it and honestly i don't even remember why i wanted to i think probably because the world was telling me to go to film lol and all of the cooler filmmakers went to nyu and not ucla yeah i (laughs) am I was not, like, I liked NYU just because I thought the campus was cool, but I wanted to go, I was aiming high, man. I wanted to do the journalism program at Columbia. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> and also, the um, there were two journalism programs I was looking at. I was looking at Columbia and Ithaca in, like, upstate New York. So, that was a whole thing. <laughs> you were aiming high, Cleo. <laughs> I was aiming high, high, man. <laughs> I love that. I love that. We were very ambitious. <laughs> um, but yes, so I, I distinctly remember my family asking me if I wanted to try to apply to universities in the States, particularly again in NYU because my lola nga was in Brooklyn and they had the film program, blah, blah, blah. But I was a <laughs> very, very insecure teenager. <laughs> Yeah, I barely thought I would get into university, let alone a competitive Ivy League. So I essentially just didn't think I had the chance intellectually. And plus, you know, just thinking about the financial burden of that to my family. Right, yeah. Especially as the eldest. So I didn't try. It was definitely a conscious choice. So I think that was when officially any remnant of my obsession if there ever if there were still any yeah. like dissipated um for me personally i honestly don't even remember much of the thought process behind like college applications in like the us or anywhere abroad but i remember the main consideration really being finances for me mm-hmm. just because you know like listen we talk about being like burgess all the time but also i am like i am very solidly middle class so i don't have like a whole lot of money to just like dump on you know a foreign education like this was just like i didn't have that kind of money and like aside from tuition being stupidly expensive in the states like so was the cost of living right and so i applied to one as like a shot in the dark i said i really was just like here Take my information. If you want me, then great. If you don't, then whatever. Um, but like, I was pretty set. Like, even as I sent it, I was pretty set. And I knew that I was going to be studying here in the Philippines. And like you said, it was a personal choice as well. That, you know, I didn't want to be, you know, even if I did, like, let's say I did get it. Like, yeah. let's just pretend that I was good enough for a scholarship that like was a completely 
playful ride. Even then, it's just like, okay, you have the tuition money, but like, how are you gonna survive? And I didn't want to put myself in a position where I was essentially going to just be like in debt before my life even started. Yeah, laban student loans. <laughs> but yes, gets university decisions are financially driven naman din talaga. Yeah. You can't take that out of it. And I mean, education in general, but even more so tertiary education. Mm, yeah. So yes, I agree. And aside from this weird thinking that people in America are smarter than little old me in a developing country, which is obviously wrong, but ayun, despite that, it wasn't like I had a dream school. Right, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. all or nothing for me. Like, I don't think I really felt like I was giving up on a dream by not pursuing NYU. It was just like a tiny thought at the back of my head that I quickly moved along um, from. So I think I was a lot more concerned about getting into UP for sure, because even as a young teenager who was consuming Western or mostly Western media, I was also still, thankfully, not completely blinded by privilege in the sense that right i think i was pretty socially aware naman although still with a privileged lens unfortunately but it was there naman thank god so i think that's also why i didn't really entertain the thought of going abroad for undergrad all that seriously because i knew i didn't want to be disconnected from what was happening in the philippines even more than i already was because of right again the Catholic private school environment. No, for sure. And like, that's kind of the same. Well, that's sort of similar with me. Primarily, I wanted to go to UP because of the same reasons. Like, it was a sense of like, wanting to really, I felt like going to UP helped you really understand like, the society in which you operated in. Right. There was a very strong sense of sort of, not necessarily nationalism, but like social awareness that came from being in UP. And that was something that, like, even as a high schooler who was obsessed with, like, some city thousands of miles away, that was something that was important to me and that was something I felt that I needed. Absolutely. But also, like, UP is a legacy to me. Like, it's a legacy school. My sisters, my mom. So, you know, like, there were always those stories of, like, what they did in UP and, like, what it was like. And... You know, growing up from, like, the age of freaking, I don't know, seven. Like, I was, like, seven years old when my eldest sister went to UP. So, that was the whole thing. So, you know, my formative years were basically spent around the campus anyway. So, I knew that it was a place that I sort of wanted to be in anyway. You know, if I were given a full-ride scholarship to NYU, let's say, like, sure. (laughs) Like, I would, I could give that up maybe. But, you know, it wasn't. I was never, I never felt like particularly compelled to like give everything to go to college abroad because I knew that like having a university education in the Philippines, like in UP in particular, was also something that I really wanted and something I thought that could benefit me quite a bit. Yeah, same. There's really a lot to say, talaga, but I definitely think that the story of our obsession with New York is also the story of our. Maybe in Filipino, yung pamumulat natin. Right, yes, yeah. for sure. Parallel siya eh, or overlapping. It was also outgrowing the internalized neocolonialism. Yeah. And I think both things, the man existed at the same time as teenagers for sure. Yeah, and I think that was true for, like, that was really true for both of us, no? 
Yeah. And, you know, a testament to how individual people can be very complex. You know, both things can exist at the same, at the same time. time. Exactly. And for both of us also, it's just that it was solidified more in university and being in UP. And that's part of the reason why we're both thankful that we made the choice that we made. For sure. I feel like the biggest thing, I mean, obviously, like, I feel like anyone who sort of lives in the Philippines has an understanding of like, or has an idea of what UP education is like. But I think for me personally, like the biggest, um, the biggest thing that a UP education specifically gave me with regard to like this mindset is really how I understood social issues much deeper because it was it was against the context of like Filipino society. Like we can talk about social issues all we want. But I think when you're in a sheltered, private, Catholic, all-girls school in high school, you don't quite understand it the way you would when you're in a very liberal um, university mingling with people from all walks of life. And so I think that like, you know, having you know, meeting the people I met, having the discussions I had with the UP education, um, all of those really sort of helped me kind of understand local society a lot better. And it gave me a better perspective of like what exactly like I was getting, like what what my life was in, essentially. Yeah, same. And we're not saying this to shame people naman who studied abroad or who didn't study in UP. Like that's not the point, obviously. You do you, ganon. And university in itself is a very different experience, especially if you're coming from, again, the private school environment. But yeah, it's just that I think for both of us, we would be very, very different people if we chose differently in high school because our perspectives were absolutely broadened and were also absolutely formative being in UP and being in MassCom even specifically. For sure. Because part of the broadening of our perspectives was also the internet and growing up with the internet. So it's a lot of those things coming together. Just to touch on it very quickly, just like shout out actually to UP MassCom, teaching us with sources that were well beyond just America. There's a lot to say about like the state of education in the Philippines and how it's very like American in nature. But I think having that MassCom experience where you were exposed to so many like forms of media from so many different places you also really helped me understand like, the world a lot better. It's sort of in the framework of like this conversation we're having about New York. I feel like going to UP really sort of like decentralized right. this like concept of New York being like the epicenter of just like everything going on in the world. Yes. And I think in decentralizing that you're able to explore so much more of the rest of the Philippines and the rest of the world, maybe. Like it just opens you up to everything else because your view isn't so narrow anymore. And I think again, we've said this a million times, but in the perspective of being a middle class kid in the Philippines, it represents even more privilege. Like New York represents privilege, even if you're not like looking to be the next Wall Street trader, but even just wanting to be an artist in New York or like having like a show in New York, stuff like that. You know, looking back, it feels like it just it feels very strange because like the appeal of New York is either like what you said, sort of the privilege that comes with it. Yeah. Or an idealized version of the struggle. Yes. Yes. 
maybe we were really just conned by New York City because in media, it's the representation of the American dream. It is. It really is, yeah. So I think, I mean, on some level, we were operating on that. This is a gripe that I've had for so long. The American dream isn't necessarily specifically American. I know, right? Like this concept that you can work hard to earn money and achieve your dreams is true literally everywhere in the world. And the American dream as it's described and as it's sort of like um, portrayed in media, so much of it is a tale of immigration. Which I know Americans are now very vehemently fighting against. So I'm really very confused as to like what it's supposed to be. Oh my god! Yeah, you're right. Ewan ko na, and dami kailangan na yusan ng mundo. <laughs> but um, anyway, again, like going back, I guess. Obviously, we're not saying that if we were in New York, we wouldn't realize these things. But it's more that I'm glad I realized it by learning more about the Philippines. Does that make sense? Like I always say, I don't know if I would like the person I would be if I didn't go to UP. Oh, same. Absolutely same, yeah. And it's not an insult to anyone else but me talaga, I swear. Because like, listen, UP is not great <laughs> or perfect it's by not. any means. It's not. Absolutely not. We know this. Again, stay tuned. But the person that I am now because of my experience in UP is I think a lot better than any person that I would have been if I didn't. Mm, yeah. Mainly because there's so much that I was able to interrogate about in society. Mm-hmm. There was so much I was able to interrogate about myself. And that includes the westernization of both society and myself, you know? And I feel like being a Filipino, so much of the American ideology mindset has sort of ingrained itself in our society society anyway right we really needed very strongly filipino perspectives to sort of balance that out yeah and i know we introduced this episode as like us laughing and cringing about our young selves but like i said we were able to decentralize new york city because we were able to interrogate western-centric ideals in our middle class filipino environment so i think we would be remiss if we didn't like touch on that we are extremely lucky to have had sort of the education and experiences that we've had to help us sort of grow out of this like idea of like or, or basically like this internalized colonialism really yeah. you know like that's obviously that's not true for everyone and so i really hope that like this is something that the like that schools and universities or just other institutions even households are sort of able to teach and able to like talk about more right because like looking back now I'm realizing that so much of my ideation of what I wanted in life was so 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 western um and you know I mean that's not necessarily wrong but when Mm -hmm. I look at like the measures of success like a traditional Filipino society it's very jarring and very mm-hmm. strange to me to realize that, like, I never wanted that. Even this idea of, like, um, success now being, like, to live, to have your own, like, I don't know, like, fancy condo in the big city, living alone, doing your life, where, you know, traditional Filipino society would, you know, say that it's a generational house or something like that. 
it's just very strange to me to realize that like so much of the ideologies and so much of the um aspirations have changed and it's you know i feel like that's something that like people should be talking about and sort of like um analyzing maybe i think also like this whole thing like this us this whole episode we're just talking about like us being two middle class kids going to up para manmulat sa lipunan ganyan it's a very privileged thing in itself you know and the truth is we shouldn't have to go to up or any state university to understand and learn these things and i just wish that the internalized colonialism that we all experience collectively is questioned and interrogated a lot earlier for us and this is the thing i feel like internalized colonialism is not actually that big and scary of a concept to try and tackle with kids for sure and it really starts with circles of influence a lot of it can be reinforced by small things talaga like just being more intentional about the media the discourse in their circles and also just talking about Filipino-ness in the nuanced ways that we should. Part of battling internalized colonialism, I think, is interrogating our own um, concepts of what makes us Filipino. Absolutely. And that's something that we as a country, as a society, have just like we've neglected to do for a very long time. Yeah, or just haven't done consistently. So, yeah, I hope we do. But anyway, I don't know. I hope this episode went through a lot of things. <laughs> I hope people don't think that like we hate New York City or like hate people who go there to study because I mean, we still want to visit. We're not here to hate. The two of us look at grad school programs <laughs> in our spare time for no reason. So like, it's fine. For sure. And this isn't us like dissing people who go abroad to study or to work. This isn't us dissing people who want to live elsewhere. This isn't us telling you not to travel or to not explore new places. Yeah, to not love like a culture that's, you know, different. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's just more of us sort of from our experiences. This is really just us talking about how you really need to be careful in your like idealization of cultures that are different from yours. And to just, you know, a, just a casual reminder to not put them on a pedestal. I mean, I just think this is basically us interrogating our own internalized colonialism naman. And we recognize that it's really a lifelong process. It is. And the both of us are not anywhere close to being done with it. Oh, for sure. For sure. There are so many things to learn and unlearn. So, laban lang, guys. Kaya natin to. We're just here in this podcast to do it with you and to like laugh at the cringe as we always will in real life also. Exactly. I don't know if you know, are you familiar with Katya? Like the drag queen Katya? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she sa- she has this thing where she says that if you're not cringing at yourself five years ago, maybe people are cringing at you now. Tama. Tama naman si Katya. <laughs> And for me, it's really better to just like laugh at it together, you know, cringe together. That's what friends are for. So I guess on that note, we would love to hear from you guys. Like, be honest, who else had a New York phase? Did you have a different like city phase? Just what are the weird 
you know, very Western things that you wanted as children that you've learned to just completely outgrow now. Yep. You can talk to us over at In Media's Mess on Twitter. This is something that we always, always talk about. So it's kind of fun to get more people into the conversation. Yes, and that's it for us this week. Thank you for spending time with us and we will talk to you guys next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.